let's welcome Pastor Tom as he comes. Okay. We have got a picture today that I'm going to talk about right here. Can everybody see this? Just joking. I know you can't. <laughs> there it is. There it is. They, they did this for us. So we're going to talk about this a little later. Um, here's my Bible. Okay. I'll tell you what. Uh, the Lord has a word for us today. Could we, could we stand together, please, in God's presence? And we just... Uh, We, we just really, really need his help. And, and here's why. It's very easy in preaching to think of it. Paul said it this way to the Thessalonians. He said, I thank God for you because you, you received it as the word of God and not just as the word of man. It's, it's easy. If it, see, if it's just man, then I can do whatever I want to with it. You know, it's no big deal. That's his opinion. Da, da, da. If, you, if we treat it as the word of God and we allow God to speak to us, God's word is creative. Whatever God speaks, the power to do that thing and desire it is in it. And so it's really important how we treat the word of God and then that we allow the Holy Spirit to give it to us specifically for us. And so... Um, it's very, very holy for me. All right, so here we go. Romans, Romans 12. Um, the, the bulletin says through 16. We're only going through 13. That changed this morning. Here we go. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has a body, has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve it. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. How many are glad I didn't add three more things, three more verses of things to do? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you want to speak today. And I pray, God, that you would hide me behind the cross, that people would not be distracted by me or my personality or my mannerisms so that we can hear you, so that we can accept the word of God as it is the word of God. And Lord, that you would speak it into our hearts and 
transform us and specifically this morning, renew our minds. Renew our minds according to your mind. We love you. We praise you. We need you now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. So the title of the message today is Thinking Right, Your Part in the Body of Christ. Last week we did, we did the first part of this and um, we, we went back to Romans 12, 1, which says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, therefore, in view of God's mercy, Paul has talked for 11 chapters about the mercy of God. He's talked about that we're sinners, we deserve judgment, that God has given Christ to show mercy, that God's shown mercy to each part of the body of Christ. He's, he's got mercy for the Jews, he's got mercy for the Gentiles. Mercy, mercy, mercy. It's in his heart to show mercy to all. That's why Jesus died. That's what this whole thing is about, is God's desire to show mercy. Now, in view of his mercy. And then last week or or a while ago, we did give your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then in view of his mercy, give God your minds that you need to not be conformed to the world, but you need to be transformed by a renewing of your mind that in view of God's mercy, we need to offer him our minds that, that this world has tried to form us. But when we are saved, when we give our lives to Jesus, we instantly become new in our spirits, but our souls, our mind, will, and emotions don't instantly become new. They gradually through a process become renewed and we start thinking differently. We start thinking and we are the, the word transformed is metamorphosis. We become who God wanted us to be. It is, it is a change that is from within. It's the world's trying to cram us into their mold and make everybody cookie cutter the same, the same thing, all trying to impress each other. And God's got a unique vision for each of his favored sons and daughters that he wants to bring forth. But it takes a renewal of our minds. So thinking right. When I first studied Romans 12, I mean, preparing for this series, I realized something that we always pull Romans 12 too out of its context, that that's a favorite verse. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. And we just kind of pull that out. And you can't read the rest of Romans 12 and 13 without realizing, oh my, Paul says, renew your mind, think right, think differently. And then he gives three areas in Romans 12 and 13 of this is how you're supposed to start thinking. He gives three areas. We're going to do three weeks on this. The whole Thinking Right series is four weeks. But um, the, the next three weeks are the different areas. Paul said, here's how to think. Here's how the world thinks, and here's how you're supposed to think. So here's today's message. Thinking right, your part in the body of Christ. Point one. In humility, accept that you are part of a body. So Paul starts out. He says, we we need to think right. We need to think differently. 
And he starts out by saying, don't be high-minded, be sober, be humble. And it's not because you need to think of yourself as a sinner that, you know, you're just a sinner. No, no, that's not what this humility is about. He says what the humility is about. He says, you need to be humble because you are part of a body. You are, you're not the whole deal. You're, you're part. You're part of something bigger. This is how God planned it. You are not it. You are, you are part of something that God is building together. Now, this is different than the world thinks. We are compared in the Old Testament and the New Testament to sheep. And the reason why God likes to use this metaphor of sheep is because sheep need a shepherd. Sheep have to have a shepherd to, to guide them, to help them, to lead them, to feed them. And they, they just, they need a shepherd. And here's what happens when sheep don't have a shepherd. They can't rest. They won't rest. Sheep left to themselves immediately form what's called the budding order. Now, lots of animals do this. With chickens, it's the pecking order. With cattle, it's the horning order. With sheep, it's called the budding order. And what that simply means is this, that they will establish without anybody telling them to do it, who is the strongest sheep, the second sheep, third sheep, fourth sheep, sixth sheep, seventh sheep, eighth sheep, ninth sheep, really the only sheep. And then once you find your spot, you've got to keep it. You just keep budding. And if anybody tries to get your spot, and the whole thing is run on fear that I'm going to lose my spot. I can't rest or I'll lose my spot. The only, the only sheep that can really rest is that one that's the last one. He's got nothing to protect. Anyway. Um, and this is so ingrained in them that David says this, and he's speaking of a human now. He says, you make me lie down. The good, when the shepherd is around, sheep get their identity from the shepherd. They're, they're free to rest. They don't have to keep their spot in the budding order because they are wherever the shepherd tells them, that's what they are. They're not what, they are, what other sheep think they are or how strong. If the shepherd says you're this, shepherd's in charge. Yeah. Do not be conformed to this world. I can't think of a better picture than the budding order of how this world does it. Dog eat dog, cling, fear-based, performance-based. I've got to keep my spot. I've got to, it's all self-protection. That is the world's thinking. And Paul says, you need to think differently. So here's what happened. Some month ago, it's so a Thursday morning, I'm early morning, I have my devotions, then I'm, I'm in the shower getting ready to come in because I've got an eight o'clock appointment. And in the shower, it's a month ago, I've got other messages that I'm going to be speaking before that, but I'm thinking about this message. And I'm thinking specifically of the, uh, just this amazing animal called the Pacific Golden Plover. I've told the story in church before about the Pacific Golden Plover because it's just amazing. It is this bird 
that has two homes. It has one home in Alaska. It it spends um, summer in Alaska. And it has a second home in Hawaii. And here's how it works. The, The parents have their children during the summer in Alaska. And immediately after they have their children... They leave the children in Alaska and they fly to Hawaii by themselves. I recommend this. Once once you've gone through childbirth and all that stress and all that buildup, I think you need a little time away. Now here's what grabs me. This is just, this is just Stunning. Three weeks after the parents leave for Hawaii, the children follow them to Hawaii. Have you ever on a globe or on a world map seen Hawaii in the Pacific Ocean? It is a dot in the midst of immense blue. Now, add to that weather patterns and wind and, and, and then the fact that they've never even been there. It is a 90-hour flight for these birds. It takes them four days, night and day, four days to get from Alaska to Hawaii to a place they've never been to this landing pad in the middle of this immense ocean. And you say to yourself, that's a miracle. So I think, we, I think everybody will accept this, maybe, maybe not, that God created the Pacific Golden Plover 100% dependent on himself. That he literally, by design, put GPS inside of these birds. And he made them 100% dependent on himself. Okay, but here's the stunning thing. Engineers have studied this bird. And it turns out they don't have enough gasoline to get to Hawaii. The, The gasoline of a bird is its body fat. And they've done tests on this bird and it only has 70 hours worth. Engineers have studied this bird. It's a 90-hour flight and they can only go 70 hours, which means that all of these birds should drown in the Pacific Ocean and never make it to Hawaii, except for one thing. Part of their divine GPS It's not just where Hawaii is. It's it's in them to know how to get there. And what they do is they fly in a V. And when they fly in a V, the, the, the leader takes the wind resistance and everybody else coasts on that. And then when that leader gets tired, he rotates out and there's another leader and there's another leader and there's another leader and they pick up 20 hours. So then, what we can say is this. 
is that God didn't just create them dependent on himself. He created them interdependent on each other. I want you to think about that for a moment because it's not just about the Pacific golden plover. It's about you and it's about me. You have been created by God to be dependent on him and to be part of a body of Christ by design. Now, people say to me all the time, because people, people, many places, many people have given up on the church. They've get, they're Christian, but they don't go to church. They used to go to church, so they don't go to church. They've been hurt by the church. Church is a bunch of hypocrites. Don't need the church. Don't need the church. Don't need the church. I'm just, it's just me and Jesus. I can make it to heaven. Just me and Jesus. You know what? I believe that. I believe Jesus is enough to get you to heaven, whether you go to church or not. I believe that with all my heart. But here's what I know for sure. You will never fulfill your God-given destiny apart from the church. You can't. Let me tell you why. Here's why you will never fulfill your God-given destiny without being part of a local church. Let me tell you why. You're 20 hours short. You're 20, you're 20 hours short of your divine destiny. Your, your destiny will be drowned 20 hours short because you were, de, you were designed this way. So I'm meditating on this in the shower. I'm thinking about this and it, it's all coming real to me again how awesome this is, how awesome this bird is. And I come into my office. I've got an eight o'clock appointment with this lady who has just set this appointment up. There's no agenda. I have no idea why she wants to. She comes in. She's got a package for me. She says, Pastor Tom, I had to buy this for you. I had to buy this for me. And she, she, op- she has me open this thing up. It's, it's geese taking off, and it's called lifting to the north. Can we get that picture up on the thing that you guys took a picture of and did that? Picture, picture. There it is. It's called lifting to the north. And here's what she told me. She said, Pastor Tom, this is a picture of the church. And she said, uh, I wasn't going to tell her what I knew. She just started telling me stuff about geese. And she said, they fly in a V. And the leader takes the resistance. And they, 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 but they have to trade out because you, it would burn out one person. And, and so, but he, she, she said, it doesn't matter who's in the lead. And here's why. She said, the vision of where they're going is in every, every goose. Every single goose has the vision of where they're going inside of them. Do you know this is how God has made us? This was the plan for the church. A few, a few weeks ago, I talked about Acts 2 and 
And the Bible says the Holy Spirit came like fire, and the fire came down, and it split 120 ways because there were 120 waiting. And there was fire for every head, for every heart. Every single one was going to get the fire. Every single one was going to get the vision. Every one was going to be a carrier of the kingdom by, by divine design. So, uh, has anybody ever seen one of these? It's it's a key to get into a hotel room. Anybody ever seen one of these? I'm going to just go ahead and make a confession right now. You see these, these jeans that I've got on right now? I wore them yesterday too. It's out. These are, these are two days in a row. Here's why I felt like I needed to confess it. We, we went to the Duluth Convention, and I spoke for their 100th anniversary Friday night and Saturday, and Alice and myself and my daughter Ann and her husband Josh, we, we stayed in a Best Western, Spirit Mountain Best Western, and um, I got up today, I'm coming in here, and I feel, oh my, I've still got the key in my pocket. Now, don't worry about it. If you know about these keys, this won't work anymore. They, it runs on this magnetic strip, and, and they, they have a way of keying it in, and they, they give access or can deny access very easily. So I'm not really wor- that worried about sending this key back to them. Um, the fact is, I'm using it today as an illustration. So here's how these keys work. So when you check in, they ask this question. How many keys should we make? When your kids are young, it's usually you just get two keys. You just get the husband and wife, get the keys, and they have access. And if the kids want to get in the room, they come to mom and dad. And you, you, access is given uh, only, only to those that you want to have access. So they usually, they usually ask the guy checking in. And so they say, how many keys? How many keys do you want? How many people do you want to have free access to your room? So here's what the new covenant is. The father said this. I want every family member to have their own key. I am not limiting access. Jesus has died for everyone, and I want every family member to have a key that gives them immediate access into my room. His room is his presence. His room is the Holy of Holies. His room is the glory of God. And he's, he's given a key to every single family member. Now, it is limited access because you have to be in the family to get a key. But it was his desire, his plan, that every family member would have a key. Everyone would have access. 
And this is an amazing thing because wherever you are, you have access to that room. Access isn't given at church. Access is given everywhere you are. That's how the kingdom of God works. So when we think about this lead goose, because there is a lead goose. There is a, there is a lead goose, but he doesn't, he's not in front all the time. And if you want to think of our church as these geese lifting off to go north, the, the leadership team here, the nine pastors here, we're all this, this head goose. And we're the, we're the lead goose. And, and, and on Sunday mornings or in special meetings, we're leading. We're leading. We're, we're breaking the wind. So, so you can just kind of, it's easier to come. It's easier to be together. Jesus set it up this way. When the church comes together, we're two or more together. I will be there. I will come in a special way. I will manifest myself by divine design. I want you to come together, so I'm going to reward coming together by adding something of my presence. God's with every believer, but he adds something when we come together. And, and so when we're together, we're, we're, the, our team is, is leading. We're, we're leading. But listen to me. During the week, you're leading. During the week, you're the head goose. When you're, when you're at your job, when you're at school, when you're with your family, you're leading. You're bringing the kingdom. This is your time. You're, you're leading. And that's why everybody has to have the vision. Everybody's been given access. So let's get back to this, this guy. So here's the problem if only a couple people have access. You always got to find that person that's got access. You always got to, I want to get back in the room. Well, where's mom? Mom has the key. You got to go find mom. Mom, I need the key. All right, bring it back, honey. Bring it back. So you get the, you get the key, you go, you get access, and then you, you give it back to mom. This is how a lot of people think about their Christianity. I don't have access, but Pastor Tom does. I don't have access, but grandma does. I need to find somebody that has access because I'm a Christian, but I'm not that great of a Christian. And okay, let me tell you how it usually is. Here's how it usually goes. When you first get saved, when you first have your heart warm with Jesus, and Jesus first gives you, the, the Father says, how many are going to get keys? Everybody gets a key. I want them to have a key. I want, I'm going to pour all my spirit on all flesh, young, old, men, women, children, sons, daughters. I want everyone to have immediate access to me. Everybody gets a card. So here's how it usually works. You get that card. You're excited about it. You use your access. You're excited about God. You're serving in the church. And then something happens. How many have ever had one of these keys at a hotel? Can you raise your hand? Okay, so I'm not explaining this to many people, but I might be explaining it to a few. (laughs) The frustrating thing about these guys, it's very easy for them to lose their magnetism. If they get wet, it doesn't work anymore. 
If you have another magnet near these things, it doesn't work anymore. I always have to make sure I don't get it in the pocket, in my money clip pocket, because it will immediately not work. And there is nothing I hate more than getting to the room, expecting access, wanting access. I've got to get something in that room. How many have ever done this? And it comes up red. And then you know what you do? You look at it, make sure you did it the right way, and then you do it again, and it's still red. I want to get in there. (laughs) And so you go find somebody that does have access. I need to borrow your key. I need to borrow your key. I need to get your key. And they say, bring it back. And so you take the key that works. You go back there. You get access, get whatever you want. You bring the key back. I never do that. I never find somebody else that has a key. Because I like having my own key. And I learned something early on with this hotel thing. You just go down to the front desk. You just go down to the front desk and you say, I need, I, my key doesn't work anymore. I want it, I want it remagnetized. And they say, well, w- w- sir, what room is it? And then can you give me any proof that you're part of that group and you give them your license or whatever? And actually, frankly, and this, don't tell anybody this, but usually they don't even care. They just say, tell me the room. And they, they, pu- they press three things. They put a thing. It, the, it is the easiest thing in the world for you to get this thing working again. Because I want to have my own access. I don't want to be dependent on having to find somebody that has access. I want to have access myself. So here's what happens to the church. You start out with your card and access, and then something happens. The waters of life come over you. Sin comes over you. You, 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 you started out, you were going to meetings all the time, and then you got a job, and now you don't go to any meetings, and, and it's just worn off. And that which seems so real and so fresh and so good, it, it's not that good anymore. And, but you, you're still saved, and you're still a child of God, and, and, and you, you still believe that the pastor has access, and you still believe that maybe your favorite TV preacher has access, but you don't really feel like you've got access anymore. You got a card, but your card doesn't work anymore. Now, guys, we have to renew our minds. Let me tell you, let me tell you how easy it is to get your card magnetized again. Okay? We need you to get magnetized again. We need you to have access. We need you to carry the vision. We need, this is the plan. If only this guy, if only the leadership has the vision, you, you, you will burn us out. You, you will burn us out. That, that, that front goose cannot stay up there forever or he will burn Oh, and we know this is true in America because we've seen it. Whenever churches make their pastor an idol and it's all about the pastor, all about pretty soon he's in immorality or in some horrible thing. And, and, and I'm not saying that they're not responsible for their own sins, but sometimes they get pushed there because everybody wants it and they want to have a human hero. Guys, that's not the plan. There's only one hero in this thing and it's Jesus. So I discovered, you just go down and you just give them the thing and you say, I'm I'm in this room and it takes two seconds. They do this and and all of a sudden, that which didn't work, all of a sudden works again. So here's what the Bible says. Confess your sins and God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins 
Why just? Because Jesus already died for your sins. This is what's true. Jesus has died for your sins. Punishment has already been given for your sins. When you confess, when you own your sins and you confess them to God, he is faithful and just to forgive you of sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God. Unrighteousness means you lost your close fellowship. You lost your magnetic thing and you lost access. And all you got to do is confess your sins and you get access again. If you're cleansed from unrighteousness, what does that make you? Righteous again. Right standing. So, could we stand together? Don't get excited. The sermon's not over. But before I say another thing in this sermon, it is really, really important that you have access. So if you don't know Jesus, the only way you get access is in Christ. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if if, if you need to come to Christ for the first time and gain access, this is the plan. God already died for you. Jesus died for you. He wants to give you mercy. But if if you're here and you've lost access, God wants to give it back to you. He's just going to put some magnetism back on your strip, okay? So here we go. Can we all open our arms like this? Lord, thank you for the plan. Thank you that in your great, great love, you died not just for the world. You died for me. God, thank you that you didn't want it to be that two or three people or or really spiritual people would be the only ones that would have access. You insisted, I want a card for every one of my children. I want all of them to have access to my room. So Lord, wherever we have sinned, wherever we have failed, wherever we have just got into the thinking that because we're, we haven't been as good as we should or haven't done this or done that or read enough or prayed enough or, and somehow we've just lost confidence in our own access, we confess that to you right now. Jesus, would you wash us again? Would you type our room number? Would you, would you give us fresh fellowship, fresh access to you? If you're lost, just say, Jesus, save me. Save me. Come and live in my heart. Wash away my sins. I want to be in the family. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I don't know why I did this, but it's done. On July 30th, at our conference, Intimacy with God conference, on that Saturday morning, I shared the vision of City Church. It's the title of the message, if, you're, if you look it up on the media thing, is, is the joy of intimacy with God. And I shared what I believe is God's vision for this church, why this church exists, what our future is, what God wants it to be, not what we want it to be or what we're trying to get God to do, what God has told us he wants to do in and through us. 
And I want you to know the vision of City Church. I want you to know not just the general word of God, but, but if, you're, if you're part of this church, I want you to know, oh, this is where we're going. This is our destination. So what I did at the Welcome Center, we, we always give a gift of a CD of the worship team, worship music. Now we've got two CDs. I've wrapped in a rubber band. We've got the joy of intimacy with God with that because I want every new person that comes here to know where we're going. Now, if you weren't here, which most people weren't, of course, because it was on a Saturday, then I just, you just need to go to our website and go to the media and then go to Joy of Intimacy with God and just click on it, and it'll play that for you. Or get the CD. And, and frankly, I didn't tell them I was doing this, so I don't know what they are, maybe $3, but we'll make a bunch next week. You don't need to pay anything. I want everybody to know the vision. I want every single person to know where we're heading. Because it's exciting what God is doing in this day. Uh, and, and God is doing something great in our day. Okay, so here we go. Point two. Point one, in humility, accept that you are part of a body. Here's point two. Do something. I was reading these gifts, and what is Paul saying in the Romans 12 gift section? He is, here's what he's not doing. He's not trying to list every gift. He's not saying, here's all of the spiritual gifts. He does a little of that in 1 Corinthians, but that's not what he's doing here. Here's what he's saying. He's just randomly giving different gifts. And he says, if your gift is prophecy, then prophesy. If your gift is encouragement, then start encouraging somebody. If you're a teacher, teach. If you're a giver, give. If you're a leader, lead. Do something. You are part of a body. You've been given gifts. Do something. In Matthew 25 and actually like three other places, Jesus tells the parable of the talents and he talks about the day where we give an account for our gifts and and he talks about this guy that buries his gift and does nothing with it. And here's what he says. He says, I was afraid. Why did you bury your gift? I was afraid. Afraid of what? Afraid of failure. Afraid that I won't do it right. Afraid that I'm not good enough. Afraid that the church doesn't want me. Afraid that there's not a place for me. Afraid that I'm not as important as somebody else is. Afraid, 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 afraid. And Paul is saying here, get past your fear and do something with what God made you to do. God's given you access. You're part of the body. You've got a part. Do your part. So there used to be a college and career Sunday school that met up there on Sunday mornings, and there was about 100 in there, and I was a young Christian. I got filled with the Spirit, and, and God put it in me to preach. I was excited about preaching, and there were like three different guys that led that Sunday school, and one of them was Tom Alexander, and I will never forget him because I'm back there. I just, I'm, I'm waiting for my turn. I want to get up there and tell, preach to the, the group. I want to, I want to, and Tom is walking back and forth, and he's preaching. He says, some of you, some of you are waiting for us to ask you to speak for the Sunday school. How does he know that? And he says, let me be honest with you. It probably won't happen. 
He said, there's only, there's only a few people that can share up here. But he said, have you considered that there's 40,000 students on that campus and that no one is stopping you from going down on the mall and preaching to them? Back then, there was always mall preachers. And I'm just, I'm in that Sunday school. I'm like, I'm doing, I'm doing this. I'm doing it. I get a couple of my friends afterwards. And I'm said, I'm, I'm preaching on the mall. That's it. I'm preaching on the mall. And I set up a schedule. I preached on the mall every single week. Do you know how awkward it is to preach on the mall? It is horrible. You, there's no, there's no, everybody's going somewhere. They're all, and you just stand up and start talking. And then, and it's horrible. But you know what? It was in me. I needed to do something. Don't wait for there to be the perfect opportunity. Now I will grace the church with my gift because they have, the seas have opened. I have been properly asked. I have been given the position that I expected. And now I will serve. Oh, I can't. I'm sick today. Oh, it's during my favorite TV show. Paul says, listen, stop it. Do something. If you're a prayer person, then pray. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Stop criticizing everybody else. Stop waiting for the perfect opportunity. Get involved. Be who you are. And it doesn't get out of your mind that it has to be in the church building. If, you're, uh, if your gift is serving, serve at work. Serve your children. Serve, serve, serve. Find something and do it. If you don't know what your gift is, then just find something to do. He says, let love be sincere. What does that mean? How could love be insincere? Well, I'll tell you how. I'm so glad you asked. Let love be sincere. Be devoted to one another. Prefer one another. These are just these idealistic, intense words. And Proverbs 31 says this, charm is deceitful. Here's why charm is deceitful. Charm looks like love, but it's not. Charm, it appears like somebody who's charming is loving you and concerned about you, but actually charm is they're concerned about themselves and they, they want you to like them and they may even have something they want you to do. They might have a product they want you to buy. They might want to sign you up for something and they're charming and it appears like love and maybe it's, it's a recruiter from the army and they're so nice and they're so kind and wow, this person really loves me. No, no, they want you to sign up for the army. You get in the army and you'll find out how much they love you. Char- charm has an agenda. Why, why, why are church people charming sometimes? Here's why. Because we get hurt. We get hurt. We get betrayed. We start out sincere in our love. We sincerely love people. We sincerely want to help people. And we go out there and we love people and we get beat up. And we get a knife in our back. It doesn't feel good. So we say this to ourselves, I'm not going to do that again. 
not going to allow that to happen again. That's on me. I'm not going to allow that to happen again. I am going to protect myself. And so if I live in self-protection, all I have left is charm. I can't really love you because I, I'm afraid you're going to hurt me. So I have to just appear to love you. Has anybody ever heard that saying, love like as if you've never been hurt? Has anybody ever heard that before? The scene, the poster, love as if you've never been hurt. How many know that's, that's easy to say, it's easy to make a poster of, it's way harder to do. Well, how do, you, how do you love as if you've never been hurt? I'll tell you today, I'll tell you the secret. Here is the secret. In fact, the secret to all of Romans 12, 13, 14, and 15, and 16 is in view of God's mercy, do this. Here's how you love as if you've never been hurt. You look at Jesus hanging on a cross, naked, bleeding in front of the whole world and recognize he did that for me. And on that cross, he's saying to you, I want you to love sincerely. I want you to love as if you've never been hurt for me. Now, how many are going to look at Jesus' face on the cross, suffering for me, and say, no, I'm afraid I'm going to be hurt. I'm afraid I'm going to be hurt. The Holy Son of God, do you know why he's hanging up there? Because of your sins. There's no way you, get, you and I get access without him dying in our place. He took your punishment. He took my punishment. And in view of his mercy, he's asking us to lay our hurt down. To not live in view of our wounds. In view of this incident that happened to me. In view of my cynicism about how depraved the human race is. No, you live in view of my mercy. Oh, amen. I can't love anymore, God. Oh, yes, you can. You get your eyes off of your wound and get your eyes on Jesus. And you bring that wound to the cross. And he came to heal up the brokenhearted. Well, I'm afraid I'll be hurt again. I'll guarantee you're going to be hurt again. You will be hurt again. And we share in the fellowship of his sufferings. He will suffer with you. Whatever they do to you, they're doing to him. We share with him. I've been betrayed. Yep, he was too. This is about intimacy with God, folks. Let love be sincere. Open your heart again. And then, and then fi- I, don't, I don't remember if this is fine. No, this isn't finally. Oh my, I got to move. Okay, open your home. Practice hospitality. What, what, what is it that the Latinos say? Mi, mi casa es tu casa? Su casa. Okay? Make it a capital S. My house is your house. Make it a capital Y. My house is... Your house. Therefore, my house is your house, your house, your house, your house, your house, your house, your house. 
God, my stuff isn't my stuff. It's your stuff. It is available. Thank you. It's on loan to me, but it belongs to the body of Christ. And whatever, whoever you want me to have over, whoever you want to sleep on my floor, whoever you want in my guest room, whoever, if you really, are you sure you want your, my mother-in-law to come and live with us? God, I, I, I'm not sure you're saying that. I, I've got, I got a check in my spirit about that, God. Um, it belongs to you, God. And I want to be careful here because you do have to make boundaries. You have to protect your home. And so it's his house. He'll tell you what to do. My stuff is God's stuff. We have a 2006 Grand Caravan. When Josh, my son-in-law, got into it yesterday, one of the plates just fell off. And he had to, Josh, what did you do? And he's like, gets it back, push it back. I'm so glad that van belongs to God and not me. Because only God could keep that thing running. Anyway, um, point three, last point. Point one. In humility, accept that you are part of a body. Point two, do something. Point three, don't try to do everything. You have been given a measure of faith. And Paul says, those who have prophesied, let them prophesy according to their faith. It is possible to try to do too much. It is possible to try to, I'm prophetic, and so I want to be awesome prophet. And you just go way beyond where you've been or what God's actually speaking because you want to be awesome. It's, it's possible to serve way beyond what God's telling you to do and just get burned out. You get excited, you get, you get on fire. And if the, if, the, if the devil can't keep you away from using your gifts because of fear, he will push you in pride. When, when we got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, Alice and I got married, we were absolutely convinced God was calling us to the mission field. Do the math. We've got plenty of ministers in, in America. The world is, needs Jesus. And, and so it wasn't a matter of if, it was where am, are we going to be sent? Which foreign country? So every missions conference, we were at this altar, every service. God speak. God tell us. We know we're going to be awesome missionaries for you. One missions conference, Bernie Norland was speaking. And he said this, no one can do more than the will of God. And it pierced me. John the Baptist had a great ministry, huge ministry, and it started shrinking. People were leaving his ministry and they were going over to Jesus and his disciples and his disciples came and said, John, we're losing numbers. We need to do something. And John said these words, John 3, 27. He said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given, has been given from heaven. And then he explains to his disciples what's in his engine room. He says, my joy, I'm the friend of the bridegroom. This was never about me. I'm the best man. I'm the friend of the bridegroom, and my joy is in hearing his voice. You guys think my joy is in ministry, and joy is in success. This is just my assignment. This is all God asked me to do. That's not where my identity is. My joy is in this relationship with him. John, Jesus said, was a burning, shining lamp among you for a little while. 
Did you know that's all you can be? You want to do something great for this world? You want to make a difference? Here's what you can do. You can be a burning, shining lamp for a little while. That's it. Thanks, bro. Thanks for trying to get that started. I, 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 I appreciate that. It, it, sounded, it sounded like family feud where somebody gives an obscure answer and they're like, good answer. They're trying to figure out why that answer would even be, but they want to be encouraging. Good answer. And they start clapping and the rest of the family picks up. Anyway, I'm joking. I'm totally joking, guys. So here, here's how we end. So Paul says, never be lacking in zeal and be joyful in hope. And you say to yourself, how? We've got ISIS. We've got refugees. We've got... Problems in our country, problems all around. We got family problems. We got financial problems. We got it's. There's so much darkness around. It seems like you'd have to just have blind eyes to. Here's the secret. Don't try to do God's part. Don't try to do God's part. When you try to do God's part, you're going to lose your joy, and you're going to lose your zeal. So Elijah, the man of God, obeying God, doing God's thing, calls fire down, is believing God for a great, great revival. And instead of a revival, Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you like you. And he flees. For the first time in three years, he goes somewhere. God didn't tell him to go. He flees. He flees Jezebel in fear. And he runs to this cave. It's, it's on a mountain called Mount Horeb, which means desolation. He goes to this desolate place. God didn't send him there. God, he went there. He was afraid. He He was frustrated. God didn't send him there, but God followed him there. Praise God. There's some places you go that God didn't send you, but God follows you. And God gets into that cave with him. And he says, uh, he says, Elijah, why are you in this cave? Elijah says, you want to know why I'm in this cave? I'll tell you why I'm in this cave. I'll tell you why I'm in this cave. I have been slaving my butt off for you. I've been doing everything for you. I've been preaching. I've been obeying. I've been doing hard things. And I am the only one left serving you. And here's what God says to him. He says, Elijah, I'm going to put you on a timeout. I want you to go out on the edge of that cliff and just wait out there. You need to settle down. And then a tornado comes and an earthquake comes and a raging fire comes, all supernatural, all signs of the power of God. God is showing him that he has complete control over all things. But God himself is not in any of them. God comes finally in a small voice, a whisper. And here's what God says to him. Elijah, I 
I have 7,000 people just in Jerusalem that haven't bowed now to Baal, that worship me with all their hearts. What's he saying? Elijah, I'm doing a lot more than you think I'm doing. Just because I haven't told you everything I'm doing does not mean I am not active. Just because God hasn't told you what he's doing in your children and grandchildren and cousin and coworker doesn't mean God's not working. It just means that the way God works is gentle and whispering and not demanding and not out in your face. God says, I am working. God's in charge of this thing, guys, not you. The weight of this thing is on Jesus' shoulders, not on yours. And he looks, at, he looks at Elijah and he says, I need you to leave this cave. And he's looking at every single one of us and he's saying, I need you to get out of this cave called discouragement. I need you to get out of this cave that you've gotten yourself into because you're so worried I'm not doing my part. And he says, I want you to take a little anointing oil and I want you to go anoint Jehu. And then I want you to anoint Elisha. We can have the worship team come because we're almost done. Oh my, we're, 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 almost, we're almost out of the building. And he doesn't even tell him why he wants him to anoint Jehu and why he wants him to anoint Elisha. He doesn't even tell him why. He just says, leave the cave and go do something. Very doable things, very easy things. Now it turns out that Jehu was God's answer for Jezebel, and it turns out Elisha was God's answer for revival. God had a bigger plan. God was in control of the whole thing. It seems like it's spinning out of control. It seems like I'm doing a lot and God's doing nothing, and it's not true. It is very easy to give into discouragement in this current day. The enemy is very good at discouraging us by our own life, by politics, by world events, by news, 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 news. And you can lose sight that God is on the throne and God's fixing to do something great. Could we stand to our feet? Let's do this song and we'll have one final prayer. Would you open your arms to the Lord like this? Jesus, it's so easy to live as Americans isolated building our own little mini kingdoms but Jesus in view of your mercy we don't want to do that, we don't want to live that way would you show us how to live together would you show us how to be one body would you release your vision For this church, for this region, for this, what you're doing in this, would you release it to each one of your children? Lord, we want to obey you this morning. We want to come out of the cave of discouragement. We want to come out of the cave of disillusionment. We want to stop living in charm. We want to start living again in love. Now, Lord, it's easy for the enemy to focus on all that we don't do or can't do or wish we could do. Lord, would you just show us what you want us to do? Simple? 
From that day on, Elijah walked with God. And he finished amazing. God took him. Jesus, I pray this for myself, but it's all of us who are saying this. That's how we want to end, Jesus. We don't want to end in that cave. We want to end in glory. We want to end saying, hey, I finished my race. I I kept the faith. I burned for a little while while I was on this planet, and now I get to go home and be with Jesus forever. So use us, Lord, individually. and, And Jesus, we just give ourselves to you corporately. I honestly, I don't even know how to do this, but you said I will build my church. Would you build this church for this hour? We ask you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, team. We're going to have ministry teams up here. And uh, you have a great day. Bless you.